When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Time on with Sam Hargraves on SEN. The Cup presenters have been named and there's been a heap of player movement today. We'll give you all the latest on that. And, of course, time on is your say on the news of the day. The number, one 736 736 as well. Let's get into it. Ah, uh, yes, indeed. Good evening. I hope you've had as good a day as you possibly can, however you're finding us, wherever you're finding us. Uh, I hope that you're doing okay in times that continue to be uh, pretty tough and not as easy as we would like uh, through these COVID uh, days that we endure at the moment. So I hope you're doing as best as you possibly can. Uh, thanks to anyone that got a test today. Thanks to anyone who got vaccinated. And thanks to all our frontline front workers for the uh, tremendous effort that you continue to put in. one three hundred seven three six seven. Time on, of course, your say on the news of the day. Uh, And there's been a little bit to get around, so we'll just start rolling our way through it and uh, look forward to getting your take on it. Uh, one 736 the number, or you can text 0433 off the temper text. Temper, uh, a mattress like no other. And if you need to tweet us, you can, at time on SEN. Julia will keep an eye on those. Um, but we'd love to hear from you. If you've been in the car all day or if you've been at work and just thinking, I want to ring, I've heard something today that's really uh, just tickled my fancy, touched a nerve, put a bee in your bonnet. If you've got something you've got to get off your chest, one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. So the Premiership Cup presenters uh, have been named and uh, it's with immense pride from a, an SEN point of view that uh, we see that Gary Lyon uh, and Chris Grant have been invited by Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs respectively to be the presenters of the 2021 AFL Premiership Club. So Gary will present it to Simon Goodwin and Max Gorn if... Uh, if the D's are victorious and Chris Grant uh, will present to Luke Beveridge and Marcus Bontempelli if the dogs can get up uh, and win. So it's been a sort of tradition since 2004 that the the AFL ask each club to nominate a representative that would be on hand uh, if and when their team was to win it on the big day. Uh, and uh, both clubs have put their nominations up. So Gary Lyon and Chris Grant and uh, both those guys uh, over there at the moment. Gary Lyon, of course, 226 games uh, as a Demon, 426 goals uh, from 1986 to 1999. He captained the club 119 times from 1990 to 98, five-time All-Australian, um, represented Victoria on nine occasions and he actually captained Victoria in 1994 uh, and he was a Melbourne best and fairest on two occasions in 90 and 94. 
and part of Melbourne's team of the century in 2000. And he was an Australian international rules coach uh, on eight occasions between 2001 to 2004. Um, and for the Western Bulldogs, Chris Grant, one of their greatest ever, 341 games, 554 goals, 18 seasons from 1990 to 2007, a captain between 2001 to 2004, three-time All-Australian, five-time Victorian representative, the Charles Sutton medal winner on two occasions in 94 and 96, and a member of their team of the century as well, and an Australian Football Hall of Fame inductee in 2012. So uh, congratulations uh, to both of those men uh, for that distinct honour to be able to present the Premiership Cup to the winning team's captain and coach uh, in about a week and a half's time. Um, 1-300-736-736 is the number. Michael, congratulations to Nathan Jones and his partner for having twins. So this was a a big story as well, and it probably wasn't at at the top of the the story agendas, but it's a good one for Michael to bring up now, and we do congratulate uh, Nathan Jones. His, I suppose, position within the Melbourne team had been much talked about and hotly debated, and the sentimentalists and, and those who love the the romance of footy, and I was one of them, that was really hoping that come round 22 or 23 that he might start getting named as a medical sub and then be sort of brought through the the finals. Hasn't happened, and he made the call that if that wasn't going to happen, then the, the only place that he needed to be was uh, at home um, with his partner, Jerry, and to have Bobby and Remy. So um, congratulations to Nathan Jones and, and his wife, Jerry on, on the birth of uh, their twins. Um, their names are Odie and Dove. Odie Rain and Dove Margo. Of course, the other two kids are Bobby and Remy. Uh, that's their third and fourth. So congratulations to the Jones family. And thanks to Michael um, for bringing, uh, to, for, for mentioning that one for us. Um, some signing news today. Jack Billings, uh, 26 years of age. So talk through in the year that he would not, he may be uh, heading out the door um, from RSCA Park down at Moorabbin. Uh, that hasn't come to fruition. He has actually signed on a four-year deal um, with the Saints. Um, he was picked three back in his draft year and famously was the pick taken before uh, Marcus Bontempelli. That was the year that Tom Boyd went one and... Um, uh, Kelly from GWS went at number two and uh, Billings went at number three, Bontempelli four. It was a really good draft year uh, that year and Jack Billings has signed on for another four years. Paddy Ryder at 33 years of age has penned a one-year extension. Billings has played uh, 144 games in his career so far and uh, Brett Ratton spoke to Gary and Tim this morning and actually broke the news. It's very rare where a coach comes in and not only gives... Not rare that a coach gives their time, but certainly rare when they come in bearing gifts. Uh, So this was Brett Ratton breaking the news today. Yeah, well, um, Jack Billings has signed and uh, Paddy Ryder as well, which is fantastic. Oh, that is great news. Uh, Length of uh, contract for Jack Billings? Uh, I think it's around four years. Four years? Yeah, so, um, yeah, and Paddy's uh, just a year, so, um, yeah, which is great news. Um, Yeah, Jack's been a a great contributor at the St Kilda Football Club and sort of, you know, with his age and and where we can go, um, he's going to be an important part. At different times, his name has come up in, you know, possibility trade and he's going to be out of there, that type of thing. Is that something that you've ever entertained as the coach? No, not at all. Um, he's a quality player, quality person, part of our leadership group, and, um, yeah, we want to keep him. 
Uh, Brett Ratton speaking to Gary and Tim today. He also gave an update uh, on Luke Dunstan's exit from the Saints. You know, when you've got Steele, Crouch and Co in the middle, you probably can't keep having slower inside mids. And so it was between Bytel and Dunstan. We thought Bytel's form was a little bit better than uh, Luke's. And then, as you said, Gary, he just knocked the door down and, um, you know, Bytel got, you know, Jack got a few opportunities but didn't sort of finish off games. He sort of had like a 12, 14 possession first half and then would have three or four in the second. And um, Luke got his chance and I think when he came in, he did an outstanding job. Then his form dropped away and, um, you know, then he played on players but couldn't get the job done. So, by the end of the year, Bytel's form at the lower level we thought was very good, getting 30-odd. So there was a there was a change there. So, you know, Luke's looking for a new home. Um, you know, that's, that's part of footy. But... Uh, Brett Ratton also on his responsibility trying to drive motivation coming into uh, his third year as St Kilda coach after what would be seen as a disappointing year for Saints after winning a final in 2020. Um, what's his responsibility to driving the motivation to get back into finals footy? Well, Port started slow, obviously, and um, the efficiency of the dogs going forward, they're outstanding. But um, from a coach's point of view, I think Kenny would have gone through the same process that he has been going through. He wouldn't have changed a hell of a lot. Um, he was coach of the year last year. He, I, f- I think he's a great coach, Ken. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because we've spoken about this um, from a coaching point of view and we've got Benny Robbins, our, you know, psychologist, and we're out in the ground in the warm-up. So they do the, the pre-game warm-up out there and some days you're going, geez, I don't think they're on here. There's, mm-hmm. no, there's no noise, there's nothing. And you, we come out and score three goals to one in the first and think, oh, yeah, it's good. Let's start like that again next week. But then there'll be other times where they're over the top and you think we're up and about and you go, it's five goals to zero. What's going on? Um, it's hard to get a gauge. And I think the year's so long and sometimes it's really down to the, the players um, and their motivation and what they do um, to get themselves going because we can say all the words that we want as a coach, but it's you know the, the team and the individual, when they bounce that ball, it's really the approach of how they go about it. So I'd say there's an element of... Of coaching there, but I think it's really down to the players to drive it. So that was Brett Ratton, uh, and I miss—I didn't set that up correctly. That was him on the responsibility of players to drive motivation. He referenced, obviously, Port Adelaide on the weekend and then uh, how they discussed that internally, the ownership that the playing group takes uh, on the motivation uh, week in, week out. Uh, 1-300-736-736, Saints fans, a four-year deal for Jack Billings, and there's, I reckon there's a player in every single draft that becomes maybe a bit of a whipping boy um, and it's, not, it, it's never their fault. It's, it purely is based on the back of what somebody achieves who maybe came one or two selections after them in the draft. And if you go back through draft history, there is one in every single draft where a player makes, a club makes a decision on a player uh, and then in the very next pick, a team finds one that ends up being, you know, an all-timer or, or, or a great of, of the modern era of that particular club. And, and, you know, we've been speaking about Joel Selwood in recent times and he's a great example of that. And Mitch Thorpe had to carry that for his career, you know, when Scott Pendlebury went to at pick five um, in the 2005 draft. And uh, now if you restructured that, he would probably absolutely be on top of that. And so there was four clubs that could have had him and didn't. And obviously we know what happened with Richard Tambling with Buddy Franklin going after him. And um, 
through no fault of his own because he's been a really good servant and a really solid footballer for the St Kilda Footy Club. Jack Billings has copped a bit of that, I think, for Saints fans. So I'd be wondering um, from the St Kilda faithful on how you view that signing four years. As an under-18, he was a two-time All-Australian um, and he made the team as a as an underage player uh, as well. He's been a really consistent bef- performer for, the, for St Kilda since his debut. Um, back in 2014, a Rising Star nominee that year as well. So, Saints fans, I'd be curious. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. one of the major re-signings today. From a Carlton point of view, and we're going to speak about Carlton a little later on in the show, um, Ed Kerno, 31 years of age, has signed on for 2022. It'll be his 12th season at the Blues, 200 games in round 19. Played every match this season. Uh, he was actually ranked first at the club this year for goal assists and inside 50s and third for contested ball clearances and tackles behind Paddy Cripps and Sam Walsh. So still operating at a very high level is Ed Kerno. Uh, Carlton fans, your views, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Justin Lepich, Jerry Whiteley today. Uh, Justin Lepich, if there was... I think there are AFL media awards tonight. Um, don't worry, I'm, I won't be there. <laughs> Certainly not in the running for any of, uh, anything like that. But if they had a rookie, I think there should be... I think there is an award for the... Um, the the rising it's like a rising star award or um, if there was a an award for the um, first year media performer um, of the year certainly Lepper uh, wins that maybe in a landslide um, there is the Clinton Gribers rising star so I wonder if uh, Lepper could be a, a runaway winner runaway winner of that tonight uh, he joined Jerry Waitley today and amongst a whole lot of other things he explained uh, and he just talked about joining uh, the Magpies coaching group that was announced yesterday that he and Brendan Bolton would be almost forming a super team uh, with Craig McRae and uh, he would be the head of strategy and will be a defensive coach as well and uh, he talked about it with Jared today a couple of things. Obviously, my great mate got the role, and he's really keen to have me in as well. I think that's part the part two is that you know, and he was really keen for me to show my strength area and 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 help him along the journey as well. So that's obviously a really big part of it as well. Um, is is grabbing a group together and creating something amazing. So that that to me is probably the the thing that draws you to football from the very start. The, the role itself, I, I guess, is just a matter of um, me playing to my strengths. I mean, I mean, no one would know me any better than Craig McRae. So he's created a role, really, that suits me. And my, and to be perfectly, I've had a few conversations over the years and the role was heading to something like this, give it whatever title you like. It was kind of a little bit of the big picture. But in footy nowadays, you've still got to do, you know, the, the day-to-day grind. You still, I'll still be doing the, the back line, for instance, and, and helping those players and developing them and making them better men and better footballers as well. So it's not all just sitting in an office behind a computer, So which is what people would perceive given the title. Justin Lepich, so heading to Collingwood as of next year. Well, I suppose he'd be going earlier than that uh, to be the head of strategy uh, and joining Craig McRae's very impressive uh, coaching group. Uh, And there's probably more names set to be announced with that. Brennan Bolton's going to be there as a director of coaching as well. There's been talk that Dale Tapping, who's been Brisbane's midfield coach for the last few years, will be joining that group as well. Um, You've got to give Collingwood a lot of credit for how they've gone through this process. They they had 90 names on a list. They've whittled it down to Craig McRae. They've interviewed a ton of people. Some people walked away. Some people weren't, you know, so that, that sort of happens over the course of finding um, the most important position at your club. And they've settled on Craig McRae. And I reckon a big, I suppose, a, um, 
part of the appeal, a big part of the appeal for him is probably what he said about the team that he'd want to put in around him. This is what they're doing with Craig McRae is what Carlton were never able and never gave David Teague the chance to do, and that's to get his own team in and around him. So they're doing this, they're doing this as well as they possibly could, Collingwood, to, to put in a, a coach and to allow him to pick the team that he wants to bring with him. They're giving him every opportunity. So high-performance environments, when you're judging have they succeeded or has it been a, a disaster? When you're trying to judge success and how they've performed, one of the big questions that you ask yourself is, has that person been given every opportunity and every resource um, available for them to create an environment in which they can achieve success? That's what it looks like Collingwood are doing to me. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 And media's loss is absolutely Collingwood's gain because Leppers have been a duck-to-water operator uh, joining the media ranks this year. Albert's in far north Queensland who wants to talk about Jack Billings re-signing at the Saints. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. How are you? Very well. I'm really disappointed they re-signed him. Maybe two-year deal. Um, four years for Jack Billings. And someone rang at your station about a year ago and said, just, I think we should trade Billings. And I'm not sure who it was. I, I don't know if it was you or not. Really upped him about um, how good Jack Billings was. And I can tell you, as a 64-year-old St Kilda supporter, I don't want Jack Billings there anymore. We've lost our youth. Give him a two-year deal. See how he goes. But we're serial offenders. We make so many mistakes. This is just another one. Yeah, it's interesting, Albert, um, and and I, I I don't think you'll be Robinson Crusoe. As I said, I think Jack Billings has been a player that's been a little bit divisive from the playing group. Uh, sorry, from the, in terms of the supporter group in his time at the club. So what we might do is just go and have a look at his rankings on the other side of this as well, because there's a fair few texts coming through uh, in regards to that. Um, some people saying they think he's a very good player. Um, think he needs to be super fit and strong to compete to raise his game. He came in at a time, too, from that draft where that was at about the time when a new trend was developing in the footy world, and that was the big-bodied mid. You know, the, the guys like Cripps and Bontempelli and Fife and um, these midfielders who are actually the size of key forwards but running on the ball. So the body's got a lot bigger in there, which sort of changed... The role, I think, for Billings, he sort of came at an interesting time in footy, didn't he? Where, you know, as a smaller guy, highly skilled and um, had had a brilliant under-18 career playing against guys, you know, that weren't, you know, of, of his own age and size, it wasn't an issue. And was that an issue when he, you know, I think, as I said, I think he's been a really solid player for them. I think he averages 20 disposals a game through his career. So it's, it's not elite, but it's very good. Um, he averages almost a goal a game as well. So, you know, he's been a, a really solid player for them. Um, but whether or not he's been exactly what some of the fans were hoping from a pick three, it's really divided uh, on the text as well. Uh, keep those coming through. Your calls, your say on the news of the day. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 is the number. Still plenty to work through from uh, the headlines of today. Sam Edmund had the trade bell throughout the course of the afternoon and, and this morning. So we'll get the latest that he provided on some of the names that might be on the move. And there's been a couple other players who have decided to try their luck elsewhere around the competition. I'll get to that shortly as well. But this is all about your calls, your say on the news of the day. For Time On, one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 on SEN. Uh, welcome back to Time On. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. Several texts coming through in regards to Jack Billings and the four-year deal that uh, he's inked 
to stay at the Saints. And uh, it is a mixed bag of uh, response coming through uh, about him. And there's a couple of people... Um, texting through bits and pieces. One of those is Billings highly skilled. You're joking. Well, his disposal efficiency is 73%, which is above average. So whilst high might have been overstating it, compared to the rest of the competition, he is above average uh, in that department. Uh, Hope Jack plays hard. He needs to get more goals. That's from Alex. Uh, the main thing that sorts the superstars out from the rest is work rate. Just look at Petrarca. Billings has all the talent to be an A-grade mid-forward, uh, but is not willing to work hard enough for it. That's why Saints supporters are so frustrated with him. They can see what he could become. Um, and, and that's a really interesting comparison. Obviously different, very much different in terms of their body shape and probably what their physical attributes are. But it is a great point that's made in regards to, to work rate. So that might just be an area where they work really hard with him on. Um, that, that that trying to get through, and Brett Ratton will probably have those conversations about, you know, do you want to get yourself up into that elite bracket? Uh, and that would be a question uh, for Jack because it would seem that he has all the ability and uh, has certainly played some very, very good games um, for that footy club. Uh, 0433981116, At a glance, he averages 20 disposals a game, which is average, according to the AFL website. Um, 6.3 marks a game, which is elite. 1.9 tackles a game, which is below average. And 0.8 goals per game, which is elite for a mid-forward. So there are clearly things that he does very, very well. And the best coaches tend to focus in on that. Um, and And empower their players to, to work on those things uh, above all else. But, yeah, there's certainly areas statistically that you think, okay, well, there's a rise. But his fantasy point average is above average. His inside 50 is above average. Um, effective kicks, he's above average. So there are there's there are some real positives there for, for Jack Billings. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. A couple of other re-signings today, or a couple of other player movements. So Hamish Hartlett spoke to SENSA today and uh, talked about exploring other options away from Port Adelaide after being told that he wouldn't be getting a new contract. He's played 193 games for the Power, 10 games this season, so 13 seasons in total. Uh, at Alberton, uh, and he spoke to SENSA Kane and Hazy today. I wake up this morning and, and just have received the most incredible amount of support from everyone, you know, players, coaches, um, you know, supporters that have um, hit me up on social media, they, these types of things. All, the, all their messages have been read, and I'm very, very grateful for that. So, yeah, certainly waking up this morning with a larger sense of optimism about... Um, where things are at and, and I guess some opportunities hopefully that might arise um, you know, going forward. So yeah, I've still got some discussions to have with uh, Michael my, uh, Michael Dowdy, my manager, about where things are at and we'll, we'll test waters elsewhere and, um, yeah, and hopefully an opportunity can arise. Hamish Hartlett, so Port fans, uh, are you happy with that call made not to offer him uh, a new contract? He was a high draft pick as well in, in his year. 13 seasons at the club. Are you okay with that decision? Would you have preferred him to stay on? Was he unlucky not to have been part of the prelim final side? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Must listen to radio is uh, whenever Jerry Waitley and Sam Edmund ring the trade bell every day and give you the latest on some of the moves that may be occurring. Uh, I'm going to take you through the ones that he had on his agenda today, Sam, and we'll start with Callum Coleman-Jones, uh, Tigers-Ruckman-Ford. 
I think this morning is a very important morning for Richmond and Callum Coleman-Jones. The ruck forward, the forward ruck who's been agonising over his future. Richmond have dug in. They've tried their best to keep him. It's a two-year offer on the table. There is a feeling, there is a suggestion, Jared, that he's decided not to take that offer. Now, the big decisions are coming today, I'm told, on this. We know that Gold Coast have been really interested and North Melbourne as well. They're the two rival suitors for Callum Coleman-Jones, who has had to be oh so patient. I think if he leaves Richmond, it's going to be to the Kangaroos, which, if if that is the case, is an enormous coup for North Melbourne to prize a player out of Richmond um, who they desperately want to keep, the Tigers, I think that would be a, a huge vote of confidence in the direction that North Melbourne are headed. So there we go. Um, Callum Coleman-Jones, Sam Edmund, he's just leaning towards the fact that Callum Coleman-Jones could be on the move and maybe that could be to North Melbourne. Uh, he then went into greater detail about what the future holds for former Crow fullback and uh, two-time All-Australian Daniel Talia, who was let go or wasn't offered a new contract uh, for next year by Adelaide. I think there's a pretty good chance that he becomes uh, a Richmond player as a delisted free agent. I think he can play for another two to three years, Daniel Talia. We know he had some bad luck with injury this year. He didn't attend the Crows' best and fairest. He does have a point to prove at 29, 200-odd games under the belt. He'd be joining for nothing in a trade sense. We know that David Asprey and Basha Hawley are, uh, are not playing, so they've lost some experience in the back half, Richmond. I think he'd complement Noah Bolter uh, perfectly. Essendon has had an interest before, but we know they've gone for Talia's four former teammate Jake Kelly, who can play on talls and smalls. And then we've got Marby Child, who's also likely to walk to Essendon as an unrestricted free agent. Seems like a perfect match for Richmond, doesn't he? Daniel Talia, and you could see him absolutely slotting in seamlessly in that back six, which uh, as the designated driver, it's a term that I use a lot on this show, but that's the defender who allows, you know, your Dylan Grimes, um, your, your Noah Bolters, um, these other defenders to be able to play the intercept role, to be able to run off, to be able to create. There has to be uh, a designated driver, just like uh, Harrison Petty does for, for Melbourne. And there's examples of those defenders all throughout the league. But he'd play that role perfectly, uh, Sam Edmund, with Dave Asprey uh, having retired as well. Uh, Sam Wicks from the Sydney Swans was next on the agenda. Very, very close as well to signing off on a similar contract, a two-year deal at Sydney. There's some just some haggling over not much now, and it's basically a formality, I'm told, that he stays. And, Jared, if that's the case, the Swans will have ticked another box in what's been a delicate salary cap juggle. So, good story, Wicks. You know, local product, joined the Swans Academy as an 11- or 12-year-old, Category B rookie in 2018. He's now 21 years of age, established himself as a regular this year, 22 games, some real line-breaking excitement. So that's good news for Sydney with Sam Wicks, obviously off the back of the disappointment of Jordan Dawson asking for a trade back to Adelaide. That salary cap is a real squeeze. It held up uh, the Luke Parker negotiations for a long time and I was watching Footy Classify the other night. Hutchie was sort of saying that the Swans really need to go to the AFL and just ask, is there any way, any way at all that we can just spread what we owe Buddy Franklin out over the next couple of years to free up a bit and... Um, and hopefully retain, you know, some of the young players that we've been able to get to the club that are keen to stay, but we just um, might not be able to afford to keep them. It was much more detailed than that. We'll try and find that audio from Hutchie from Footy Classified uh, last night. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Alex Taylor at the Tigers will be good. I agree with you, Alex. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen off the temper text. Temper a mattress like no other. And Andrew would have thought Jack would have thought Jack that they would have asked. Yeah, they would have thought, Jack, they would have 
wanted him to... I'm paraphrasing here because it's a bit of a jumble of words, but they want to be an A-grade kid before they signed him for four years. That's a big contract for an almost player. You don't let players be too comfortable. You need to keep them striving year in and year out. Uh, Andrew off the text, Jones from Richmond should go to St Kilda. He'll get a six-year contract there. I think that might be a little tongue-in-cheek. Um, and the other one from Sam Edmund today was on Carlton's Jack Silvani. Set to start Carlton. It'll be a two-year deal, Jerry. Now, there were suggestions he was low-balled, and it's a, it's a term that... Um, <laughs> As um, such um, sort of powerful uh, terminology, doesn't it? And the Blues were putting the squeeze on there, supposedly. That's not the case at all. Club and player currently working through the finer details. But Jack Silvani almost certain to stay on that new contract at the Blues. And he did show some real signs this year, I thought, as an influential pressure forward. He had no luck with injury. And off the back of that, has had three separate postseason surgeries on his knee, on his hip and on his shoulder. So he stays for a couple of years, I think, and um, they back him into to perhaps have a change of fortune. Jeez, I've loved watching what's happened with Jack Silvani since getting into the club. One of the most famous names in the club's history with his father and his grandfather, obviously. So the expectation that comes with that. And so the early love was there. And then that developed into a bit of uh, malignment stuff, if I can steal one from Bob and Andy. And now watching Carlton absolutely love what he brings to the table. He's found what his one would, his strong suit is in the game. He is an all-heart player and, and you can see that whenever he does what he does and the way that he does it, Carlton Faithful absolutely love him now. It's a, it's, an, it's a really interesting journey, the one he's been on and I think that'll be music to the ears of Carlton fans to know that uh, he's been signed to a two-year deal and has been shown um, that he is a, a valued commodity at the club. Uh, that's, a, that's a good one. one uh, Dan in Rye, stay right there. Uh, we'll come back and continue with your calls on the other side of this on Time On. Uh, welcome back. one 736 The AFL have just released a statement in regards to uh, grand final ticketing. So let me take you through that because it's uh, been a bone of contention for uh, some members and AFL members and what they can and can't do. Uh, the AFL confirms that the member ticketing allocation for the uh, 2021 Toyota AFL Grand Final has sold out. Both Melbourne and Western Bulldogs members purchased all 24,000 allocated tickets, 12,000 each, to the last Saturday in September. The final 10,250 tickets to the match will go on sale to the general public at 10am Australian Western Standard Time via Ticketmaster. The maximum number of tickets per transaction in the general public on sale is capped at four. The AFL strongly encourages that fans only purchase tickets through the authorised ticket partner in Ticketmaster. So the all of the member allocation has sold out for those 24,000 seats. And from what we understand, club members are able to pass on their tickets to someone who is on the ground there, whereas... Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, AFL members, but what I am read to believe is that AFL members who have a who select their club preference um, aren't able to do that through that avenue. So that's an update today on the ticketing. So uh, the member allocation sold out, and then 10,250 will go on sale tomorrow morning. Um, is that tomorrow morning, Julia? Is that? It doesn't say there that they'll go on sale at 10am via Ticketmaster. Is that tomorrow morning? Julia's not listening to me anymore. That's all right. I'll get him to respond in just a moment. That's the one thing that uh, doesn't say. I, I would assume that's 10am tomorrow morning. 
but I'll get confirmation of that. It just doesn't say it in uh, the information that I've been given there. Uh, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Dan's in Rye. G'day, Dan. G'day, how are you going? Um, yeah, I've just got a quick question about um, Melbourne's interest in Adam Chera. I've been hearing that we've made a pitch to him and um, he's possibly interested. But we don't have the draft picks in capital to sort of trade for him. So it looks like if that happened, we'd have to release a player or, or even two. Now, obviously, you'd love it to be a player who's not in your best 22, like a Wiedemann or Hunt or one of these guys. But realistically, Frio are probably going to be asking for a Jackson or a Gus Brayshaw. How, how do you see that trade playing out if it were to go ahead? Uh, well, I, I, this conversation came up the other day with Gary and Tim for breakfast, back tomorrow morning from 6am. Uh, they, Gary scoffed at the idea that Luke Jackson was a fair trade for, for Adam Chera. Um, he was unequivocal in that that just could not and will not happen. Uh, and I agree with him on that. And your point's a good one, Dan, that you might, you know, for best laid plans, I mean, sometimes we don't get everything that's on our Christmas list. And uh, if you don't, if you don't have something that's going to appease Fremantle, um, who have got the whip hand in this, really, um, then yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a, look. I'm not a draft expert and a trade expert to begin with. That's why you don't hear me on trade radio, Dan. But I can't see how they get that deal done, and they're going to have to give up something pretty decent and substantial. You know, Carlton have got pick six. So Melbourne don't have picks. So unless they try and package up a, a group of players and, and, and improve their draft hand or, you know, they offer three or four players maybe to, to Fremantle, I'm just scratching my head like you are to say, well, how do they get that done? Because they're not going to want to give up Jackson. They're not going to want to give up Pickett. Um, well, what do you do? You think that um, Angus Brayshaw, who is um, whose brother plays at Fremantle, could come under consideration, or is he not a player of decent enough calibre for Chera? Oh, I think he's a player of very good calibre. Um, I don't know if that would be enough to get it done uh, as a straight swap. I think they would maybe have to put some other people with him if that was a path they'd want to go down. But th- there's no guarantee that that Brayshaw actually wants to go. And I and I and no. I'd be surprised to see if he did want to go um, after you know if they're able to win a premiership. No, I totally. And I don't agree. know his contract status dumb. either, so I'd have to double check his contract status. So at the moment, he'd have to agree to that. Um, and I yep. and I've, I've I've heard nothing to suggest that he'd be open to it. No, I I totally agree, and I think. Um Look, the Demon fans would riot if we release Luke Jackson this early on in his career. He has shown so much promise for a 200-centimetre... Um, well, is he a ruckman? Is he a ruck rover? We, we don't even know what his true position is, but he's yeah. a special talent, and um, I just we, we just don't want him to go. Yeah, absolutely. Well, who would you be OK to see go, Dan? Um, um, Chera is a very, very good player. Who's, his development is done. He's ready to go to a next level now. I mean, development's never done. I should probably rephrase that. Green and growing or ripe and rotting. We're always improving. We're always looking to grow. But the hardest part of his development has been done, and Fremantle done a great job. I mean, he's a very, very good player. Well, look, if it was up to me, I would my first t- uh, offer I'd table would be our future first-round pick and Sam Wiedemann. Um, that would probably get rebuffed. Um, it and would because really I, the only you, option, it, your future yeah. first round hinges on where you finish next year and, and you really shouldn't be sliding too drastically from making a grand final this year. No, that's right. So really it's, it's, it's probably Gus Brayshaw. But 
if he doesn't want to go, I'm, I'm happy to keep him because he's a, a real heart and soul player at the club. So I'm with you. I'm struggling mm. to see how that would get done. Thank you, Dan. It's a real conundrum, isn't it? So it would still look like Carlton um, might be the best placed. But as this goes on a bit more, the story's coming through that Adam Chera may be himself personally leading, uh, leaning towards... Melbourne, uh, given the meeting that uh, was reported to have had with them and, and the pitch that was made to him, but how they get it done. And Brayshaw is a great point that you raise. One of the things that has contributed to such improvement for Melbourne this year has been players who are willing to not be moths to a flame, as the Melbourne midfield once were over the last couple of years. They've really taken on board this team-first ethos, this I'll sacrifice something of mine for something of ours. Um, and he's done it, Viney's done it, you know, the, Clayton Oliver and Christian Petrarca have spoken a lot about that, about the conversation that the midfield had um, during the pre-season with Simon Goodwin, and they are a much more selfless group and a, such a, a more well-rounded and well-structured group that sort of reminds me um, of the way that Brisbane's midfield used to operate back in the day, where it would almost be they'd take it in turns. It's it's probably not that freewheeling. We know that Petrarca and Oliver are the main men, but when you listen to any of the, the Brisbane Lions' early 2000s midfield talk, they all speak about giving up, whether it be a quarter of a game or a half a game or even full games, knowing what the matchups were to get someone off the chain and play through someone else. So um, that's how you gain success um, with that selfless kind of attitude. Uh, John's in Mount, uh, Mount Albert. G'day, John. Hey, mate. How are you? Yeah, um, thanks. Two, two things. Um, you, your great producer's probably already told you about the tickets in WA that Thursday. the barcode... To re- <laughs> no, 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 but... The barcodes are irrelevant now because all the members' tickets are gone, plus the um, the AFL members, yes, they had no chance of getting it. But my main point was, I've had a look at all the um, the ways, that uh, being a Collingwood supporter, how we get Dacos and the um, selections we've got. Have we got enough points to get him or, or we have to do some more trading? Um, good question, John. And it's as I said before, it's probably an area that's outside my general expertise um, as a footy commentator and and host. Um, and some would say, what expertise uh, are yours? And that's a great question, but one for another day. Um, as far as the point system and and what they've got, they did make a lot of moves last year to enable themselves. Um, to be in a position to take Nick Dacos. I think they traded away their first-round pick in this year's draft to do so. So I think... And second? Yeah, and second. My understanding is I think there's a little... From a report that I think I can remember reading a couple of months ago, there might be a little bit of finagling, just a little bit of manoeuvring that might need to happen, yeah. John, to, yeah. to just accrue a few more points to make it... Um, be, to put it beyond doubt. Well, I hope so, because we need him with the great coaching panel we've now got. Yeah, well, John, before I let you go, when, yes. so t- talk me through how you're feeling now about next year as opposed to probably how you were feeling the day that Nathan Buckley was stood down. How, where's your level of optimism? Um, uh, look, 100% up. Um, as much as I love Nathan, I thought his time was up. Um, but yeah, just listening to Justin um, or Lepich um, and knowing what a quality person Brendan Bolton is, um, yeah, we just need to sort out our, um, the head of house. And, I, yeah, I'm so positive. I don't think we'll do anything next year because we haven't got the draft picks to get a lot of um, players in. But uh, I think we'll be a club that um, some good players will want to come to in the next couple of years. So I'm feeling very, very positive in the next couple of years. Yeah, fantastic, John. Um, I think that's 
how a lot of Collingwood uh, members and fans would be feeling. Obviously, there's a bit to work out with uh, what's happening behind the scenes at board level, and hopefully that gets sorted out sooner rather than later. Um, there is actually a Collingwood board meeting tonight, from what I understand, and there's been a lot of... Uh, from what I'm reading, that, that the parties have been negotiating, and on one side there's talk of a, a peaceful handover and a transition over time, um, but on the other hand, uh, on one side, uh, saying, no, no, we want to do it now and we want to get it done. So apparently the, the next GM is supposed to be in December, but whether or not something will happen in the meantime, Mark Corder obviously announced that he'd step down at the end of next year and the conversation's now about whether that might happen sooner. But apparently there is a Collingwood board meeting tonight from something that I read a little earlier. So watch that space. Um, keep taking your calls. Time on. Hey, after seven, don't go anywhere. We thought uh, with about a week and a half to go until the greatest day of the year, grand final day, Melbourne and Western Bulldogs. We'll speak to a player that played in both of their last grand finals. So at seven o'clock, we'll speak to Tory Dixon. What a role he played in the prelim to get to the grand final. And then Frank Davis will join me um, at 7.30, part of Melbourne's last premiership in 1964. Can't wait for that. More time on on the other side of this. Oh, without doubt. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was involved. I was vice president uh, in 2000 when we played Essendon, and Neil did, as he always does, did an amazing job convincing the players, the club, all of us that we were going to beat Essendon. But, you know, the harsh reality that to you, I think Essendon lost one game to the Bulldogs by a point or something. You know, the harsh... In, in hindsight, the chance of us winning that were slim. I mean, we obviously believe we had hope, but this is a vastly different team, and uh, uh, you know we're in a far better position than we were then. Oh, so no, yeah. I think we're we're definitely uh, well, we're absolutely a big chance. Uh, that was uh, former Melbourne Vice President Bill Guest speaking to Jared Whateley today on whether this is the best Demons chance that they've had to win uh, their first premiership since that 1964 flag. Uh, the full chat, sen.com.au. AK's in Brunswick. G'day, AK. Hey, Sam. How you going? I'm good, thank you. That's good, mate. Got an opinion for me. What do you reckon of Sam uh, Gunston and uh, Mitchell? Would they stay at Hawthorne next year? What's your opinion about that? Um, I'm of the yeah, I'm of the belief, AK, um, that in order for Hawthorne to increase its draft hand and do what Jeff Kennett seems to think is so easy to do, and that's just get back in finals in two years' time after going to the draft, then a player of that ilk has to be traded. So, um, is that Jack Gunston to get him to a club that might be within a premiership window so he can experience a fourth? Um, is there is there currency with Tom Mitchell for first rounders? Is there currency for Jaeger O'Meara or Chad Wingard? I think that if you're going to live that plan, then one of those guys has to be traded to improve your draft hand and do what you say you're going to do and, and go to the draft and, and build from the ground up. So that's... Um, that's where I'd sit with it uh, as a Hawks member, mate. Uh, but thank you for the question. Uh, greatly appreciate it. Um, and thanks for all the calls and all the texts that have come through. Just a couple of texts to finish up. Um, what have we got here? On Jack Billings, hasn't earned a four-year deal, has all the attributes to be elite but missing uncompromising and unconditional attitude of his captain, uh, Jack Steele. Well, maybe that's part of the um, impact that Jack Steele will end up having um, over the next couple of years of what he's been able to get himself to as an elite player of the competition. That will start to rub off on, on teammates as well. Um, off the text, apparently Melbourne have a WA player that wants to return to WA. Don't know who it is, but that is why Melbourne got involved 
and that's to do with the uh, Adam Chera situation. Uh, thanks for all those calls, all those texts. Uh, big few hours coming up on the Sporting Capital. So, Tory Dixon's going to join me straight out of seven. Three goals in the 2016 drought-breaking premiership for the Western Bulldogs. And then, after 7.30... We're going to have a long chat to Frank Davis, who played on the halfback flank in just his first year of footy in Melbourne's 1964 Premiership. Without bias as well, and then we'll talk some NFL with ESPN's Laurie Horish. But that's what's coming up on the Sporting Capital. Stick around. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.